When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Businesses of all sizes have been affected by COVID-19. In response to this, Postmedia Solutions has created a five-step guide aimed to help you adapt your business during this global crisis. To get this free guide, visit postmediasolutions.com adapt. Recent protests against police brutality and anti-Black racism have people and businesses in Canada and around the world paying attention to the racism in our societies. In this moment, some of Canada's largest corporations are speaking out about the systemic lack of diversity in this country's business world and pledging to do better. I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. This week, we're joined by Nadine Spencer, president of the Black Business and Professional Association and CEO of marketing and communications agency Brand EQ. Nadine joined me to discuss ongoing challenges the Black business community faces in Canada, why diversity is so important, and what Canada's corporate world can do to empower the Black community. We started by speaking about the association and its mission. The BBK is a 38-year-old organization founded by Denim Jolly, and we exist to create economic opportunity for Black businesses and to um, advocate for and empower Black businesses and their owners. And while that might seem pretty simple, and in some ways it is, the reality is that advocating for Black business owners who are historically um, face numerous roadblocks due to success in an ingrained uh, system um, of just certain things that are denied from businesses, it's a challenge. And uh, so we work every day to advocate uh, to strengthen and empower our membership, looking to a strong Black economy for all Black businesses. How many members do you have? You know, we have about over maybe 2,000 members and, of course, an active list of supporters, which, you know, goes to 10,000 from Ontario to Halifax to Vancouver, so all across the country. We're obviously having this conversation right now because there have been protests, widespread protests against police brutality and anti-Black racism playing out in the United States and in Canada. What has been your reaction to the protests so far? I mean, I think it's obvious to most of us that the the underlying issue is race. And it it's 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 sad. It's and you know the community is hurting, not just the black community, but you know the broader community as well. You know the protest is happening um, because of fighting for against race uh, in North America and around the world. You know for hundreds of years uh, these issues have been happening and we and they haven't been dealt with and and they still continue to per- perpetuate our society and permeate our society. The death of George Floyd was a crime and a travesty, but but it was only the latest in a long string of such incidences, you know, and I share in the pain and anger felt by the protesters and um, to join in solidarity with them, because I know that those same fundamental inequalities exist here in Canada as well. As you said, you know, this is just the latest in a series of events. And it's a conversation we should be having more frankly, quite honest and on, on my part, not just when these things happen. But the interesting thing 
in this moment is we've seen a lot of corporations that have previously stayed silent and speaking up. We've seen them speaking up in support of Black Lives Matter in light of the protests. I know you're, you also run a marketing company. What do you think of the messaging from companies in the States like Nike and Twitter? And even in Canada, we're seeing Lululemon, Shopify, the big banks stepping in with statements in support of in support of the Black community. Is this lip service? Is this helpful? Is it both? You know, this is such a complicated matter because on the one hand, there are certainly instances when companies speak out for social justice as a way to increase their publicity and improve their public persona. But on the other hand, the more voices that can be joined together to speak up against inequality and injustice is the more likely we are to be heard. So that that's the positive part of the, uh, the, the company speaking up. And I, I think that there will certainly be cases where a brand says the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. And unless the message or platform is being used is insultingly tone deaf, you know, it's probably not my place to judge anyone's motivations. But, you know, recently, uh, yes, I think two days ago, Hudson's Bay, for example, had boarded up their stores. So that that in this time says says a lot. They did take it down. And in, in their statement, they said, well, we publicly support um, the black community and, you know, our sympathies with the protest. But what they said and what they did were two different things, which which is very unfortunate. So I think, you know, companies have to be very mindful of that. But Listen, we are we are happy for the support because, you know, the more we talk about this and the more leaders come to the table and acknowledge and recognize the problem, then that will lead us to change. What sort of social responsibility do you see companies having at this time when politics, particularly in the U.S., is in a bit of a disarray? How does the corporate world need to get involved here? You know, companies are an integral part of society. They both shape and reflect culture. They, they impact our economy and politics, and they provide jobs to tens of thousands of people. So pretend that a brand is separate from society at large is to be in denial about what influences all of us, both at the individual and the group level. So while large, highly visible brands do have a unique platform for which to facilitate social change, it is often the case that we as individuals have to hold these brands accountable for their own actions, whether they are socially or environmentally damaging. You know, ideally brands would demonstrate a commitment to the same values that we as individuals should also be supporting, you know, equity, stability, fair trade, etc., rather than simply answering to shareholders, um, making decisions informed by profit as the top priority. That triple, triple bottom line thing. Now, when it comes to the moment we're in, we're dealing with this sort of double whammy of the protests against anti-Black racism and the pandemic, which has affected disproportionately Black communities in the United States. And also uh, based on preliminary data from places like Toronto in Toronto as well. What have you been hearing from your members about what they're facing right now, given both of these factors? So, you know, the BBPA has, the Black Business and Professional Association has a 24-hour line that we answer for businesses who are in need and crises. I'm the one that answers those phone calls at three o'clock in the morning, at five o'clock in the morning, at all hours of the day. So in the best of times, Black businesses have a disadvantage. And now in the worst of times, it's it's doubled. Uh, the pandemic has had widespread effects on Black businesses throughout Canada. You know, obviously the economic downtown caused by um, the quarantine and COVID has affected businesses in all areas, regardless of who owns them. 
But Black business owners in particular have been at risk due to lack of capital. Loans and investors are hard to come by for Black entrepreneurs and advocacy by community and government leaders. Many Black business leaders in the Toronto area and elsewhere are faced with you know, possible bankruptcy and the need to close their doors permanently, which will have you know, far-reaching adverse effects, not only to our economy, but on, to our culture as a whole. Now, this access to capital, this is one of the things we hear a lot about, especially in the tech world, is unequal access to funding and venture capital based on uh, race, based on gender, based on sexual orientation or ability. Can you speak to the problems that your members face and whether you see any solutions to this, this getting access to the money that you do need to operate a business? You know, and that is the biggest challenge. You know, we did a survey and it compared you know, mainstream businesses with Black-owned businesses. And the biggest challenge um, for the Black-owned businesses is lack of access to capital, just lack of access. You know, when you look at access, access is really an important asset, and it's a tool of the privilege. And what does access mean? It means, you know, when you're in a bank, you what is the response you get from the manager? Uh, we talked about, you know, at the BBPA and in, in my own business, I received an email from my bank manager and a phone call actually from my bank manager when, when COVID-19 started. And we work with the businesses in Little Jamaica, Eglinton Avenue West, and we're doing a hands-on program with each business, uh, working with them to, you know, help them through this this cycle. And when I asked them, you know, did your bank manager call you? They said, we don't have a, a bank manager that calls us. The bank manager doesn't know we exist. So there isn't anyone to guide them through the process or helping them. There isn't a, an institution that they can lean to, you know, and, and that is one of the, the biggest, biggest challenges that black businesses face. And, uh, you know, we're working to, to, to level that playing field and it, it's going to take time, but uh, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing struggle. What are some of the other ongoing challenges you hear from your members about operating businesses or working as professionals in Canada? you know, given the structural imbalances and the lack of diversity in the corporate world? You know, well, one I, is, is, is being at the table. You know, the, the access comes in many different ways. And I always say people do business with who they know. So if you are at uh, sitting on a board and you're able to maintain and, and get relationships, and not only that, but just learn certain nuances of, of how to function in, in different business environments, that is a huge, valuable asset. And for black businesses that don't have access to those corporate tables to be on on those corporate boards, uh, we were denied, again, that other level and layer of learning and understanding how to navigate those various business paths. It's like business mentorship. And again, so critical to to the survival of businesses. I want to speak more about that mismatch of diversity in population and in the corporate world, that who you know sort of thing. So in Canada, Black, Indigenous, and people of color make up about 20% of the population. In cities like Toronto, that's more than half of the population. But a 2017 report from Ryerson University found that this community holds only 3% of corporate board seats and 9% of senior management roles in Toronto. So there, there is a massive gap between what our population looks like and how that's reflected at those board tables. This is also true when it comes to gender, but it's particularly pronounced when it comes to the color of someone's skin. Why do you think this gap persists despite years of conversation about the importance of diversity and the positive effects it can have on a company's bottom line? 
You know, it's so interesting. My my daughter always says to me, mom, read the room, read the room. And and I remember a few years ago, there was an ad in the Globe and Mail of 50 individuals that had uh, been announced uh, for the new corporate directorship. And of the 50 people in the squares, there was one um, racial, one minority. And I thought if we looked and we read the room each time we see something like that, when we're around a corporate table and it's, it's homogenous and everyone looks the same, we have to say to ourselves, hey, what's missing here? You know, I think it's, it's, it starts with that. You know, again, we're dealing with systemic illnesses that has been plaguing our society for generations. It, it's a self-feeding cycle in which anti-Black racism and the related lack of support and resources leads to less successful Black businesses and more despair in aspiring entrepreneurs. Because, you know, when you're trying and trying and you see you're not making it, it it's, it's very um, demoralizing. You know, the disproportionate lack of business success then leads to an underrepresentation of Black leaders, both in a corporate and government setting, which further limits advocacy and support for future Black business owners, you know, thereby perpetuating the cycle. Overall, we need to be at the table. We definitely need to be at the table. I mean, one of the challenges we hear a lot, especially, um, yeah, we, d- we definitely need to be at the table. What do you think corporate Canada can do to better empower the Black community? As difficult as it might be, uh, we need corporate leaders who can set aside generations of bias based on skin color. That is the first thing, you know, and simply elevate businesses and potential businesses based on their inherent uh, strengths. That is that is the number first thing. And it's the awareness. It's the awareness to and it, we need the training and we need the, um, the awareness. And at the same time, you know, we don't want to create a colorblind effect that completely disregards and devalues culture since culture is, you know, the bedrock of branding and commerce in many sectors. But I, I think the, 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 the first issue, you know, Steve Covey says, seek first to understand is to understand, to recognize and and to, to have true you know, sensitivity when it when it comes to um, to people of color and, and race and, and, and gender as well. What um, what about the Canadian government, you know, on the federal, provincial, municipal level? We do talk a lot about rules for gender parity. That's something that's been talked about, um, particularly with the current government, such as mandating a certain percentage of women on boards. Should governments mandate that for racialized people as well? You know, mandating a certain level of diversity on boards in government positions is is good, but it's only a temporary fix. You know, what we need in the long run is a government that listens to all stakeholders, that understands the various challenges faced by different demographics and actively pursues policies that deal with these challenges. You know, it helps to on and which will help to undo centuries of systemic discrimination and empower business people of all races. What about on the education side? You know, how can we better educate young people about diversity and inclusion? You alluded to mentorship a little bit earlier. How important is something like that? You know, until our system fully embraces the value of diversity and inclusion, which is to say publicly acknowledge systemic discrimination for what it is and takes efforts to eradicate it on a fundamental level. Until we do that, we will continue to have parents and communities that teach racism and prejudice their children. You know, change must come from the top. We, we must first generate a government, um, create a government that values inclusion and allow that to trickle down to influencers, teachers and parents. You know, 
only then, only then by extension, will we see the young people of our country come to fully appreciate the value of diversity. And you know, inclusion means true inclusion, you know, being at the table, getting invited to to participate and 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 being very intentional about how we include um, race and gender. Finally, one more question before I let you go. This is the obvious question. I also ask it when I'm talking about gender parity and and diversity in general. Why is it important to focus on diversity in the Canadian business world? You know, diversity in the Canadian business world is important for two reasons, for the same two reasons it's important everywhere. First, because the more perspective, points of views and opinions we have and tolerate, the stronger our community will be, regardless of that is a business community or society at large. And second, because all people are deserving of respect, compassion, and the feeling that they're valued. Everybody wants to feel valued and respected. Uh, so until everyone in our society enjoys protections and dignity, none of us will, even, even if we think we do. Because what's happening now, you know, there's no, it's, it's, it's them and it's not happening to us. Anything that happens in our society impacts and affects all of us. And so likewise, until everyone in our business community is given the opportunity to prosper, you know, none of us will, will truly be, be, be prosperous. Absolutely. Actually, I I do have one more question. One of the things I've noticed over the past few days, given all the social media response to the protests that are going on, is sort of a focus on these are the Black-owned businesses you can support that's happening in cities across the country. I'm wondering, what's your reaction to that? Is that a positive first step or what what do you make of it? Thank you for asking that. It's absolutely a positive first step. And I would encourage everyone to, you know, come to the bbpa.org website. And we just launched a project called BBPA in the Community Eglinton West, and it's all the businesses. And as I mentioned at the very opening of this, that in the best of times, we're challenged. In the worst of times, it's it's dire. You know, when, when I answer those phone calls, the businesses are saying it's dire. The students that we give scholarship to each year, they're flooding our phone lines. They're very worried. They're very concerned. They can't get jobs this summer. They don't know how they're going to fund their their education. And so when I see that uh, there's the movement to support black businesses, you know, like the BBPA and other, well, we're an organization that supports that, that exists to support other businesses, but supporting all the black businesses, um, it is very positive because it's, it, and it's a great place to start because when you empower a business, you're empowering a future economy for future generations. So it is a good thing. And I hope there's much more of that. And, you know, this is the power of social media that is absolutely brilliant. A social media double-edged sword, but sometimes can it can actually be a good thing. Nadine, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. That was Nadine Spencer, CEO of Brand EQ and president of the Black Business and Professional Association. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business. And as always, thank you to our team. Music and production by Bryce Hall, editing by Yadula Hussain, and web support by Pamela Heaven. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com. Thank you.